Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Isn't it wonderful to be able to celebrate God's goodness and his provision, his faithfulness uh, in our lives and in the church? It's just a a great uh, way to worship God by praise and thankfulness. And we're in a series uh, at the moment we're calling uh, Live Generous, and we've been looking at the generosity of God. In the first week, I I looked at the fact that God uh, is so generous in creating and redeeming. He invites us into a life-giving relationship with him, and he provides all that we need to live for him. And then we looked at uh, asking this question about what's in our hands. How are we a generous steward of what God has blessed us with? And then last week, Michelle spoke about a generous heart. Uh, she, she, you know, at the response, she asked us to put a hand on our heart and asked us, how do we have a generous heart before the Lord? And she spoke about the fact that generosity isn't around an amount, but it's around our attitude. It's around our heart uh, before the Lord. And it's great that we can thank God and we can, uh, we can uh, come before him with so much gratefulness and thankfulness because he's been at work in our lives and in the life of the church. As I reflect back over the last uh, 10 months, the first 10 months of this year, God's been at work. We've had 25 people that have put their trust in Jesus for the very first time, which is just a wonderful thing. Uh, let's celebrate God because that's God's work. God is the one who brings people into relationship with himself. We've had around 40 people that have made a recommitment that have said that they weren't really walking in all all the ways that God had for them and they wanted to realign their lives back into what he had for them. We've had nine people that have been baptised this year, which is just a a very special moment. Whenever we hear stories of lives being transformed and people going through the waters of baptism and going public in their faith, it's just such a, a wonderful thing. You know, this year we've given away 130 Bibles to people in our community who have been seeking uh, to know more about God's Word. So if you've had that thought go through your head, is God's Word relevant today? Do people actually want to know what's in the Bible? Well, here at Clovey, we've been able to give 130 Bibles to people who have been seeking faith. On Sundays, during the week, through Quench, as people have come into the community, we've been able to resource people and put God's word into their hands, which is just an awesome thing. Um, Like Ash said, Pathway celebrated 15 years last night, and the team did such a wonderful job in those celebrations. And as you think back around God's faithfulness in his hand uh, on the life of Pathway, it was a great night of celebration last night. And this year, we uh, say uh, farewell to John and Kay, and we say welcome to Noel. And that is a a wonderful uh, transition uh, that's been happening, and we know that God's hand is on our Pathway into the future as well. And then to think about what God's been doing in Quench, With Phil, who's our cafe leader, he's doing an exceptional job and we're starting to become even more missional in how we blur those lines between the church and the community. Uh, Phil and Kim, they've started a a, a dinner. Uh, They've had one dinner that they've called uh, Friends of Quench and it's the infant stages of a missional community of having people that are part of the Quench family come into gospel relationships to open the word and to pray together. That's really exciting that God is starting to do these things in Quench where the dream of that was part of the rebuild nearly a decade ago. God's at work. 
And it's exciting to see uh, where God is at work. And it's so wonderful that we can be part of something bigger than ourselves, that we understand that God uh, has blessed us and that he's given so generously to us so that we can then bless others. We have been blessed to be a blessing to others. God has been generous to us so that we can live generously with others. This is a really important aspect and part of knowing what it looks like and what it means to live in God's economy. And today, I want us to look at how do we live generously in in the aspect of our finances? And how do we live generously uh, in terms of where we put our resources, particularly our finances? And I want to look at that in terms of uh, our financial discipleship. And it's really important that in our discipleship, we know that following Jesus covers all the different areas of our lives and our finances are a really important part of that. But I think it's important to give a public service announcement around this as well, because some people could be thinking, oh, why does he want to talk about finances? We've just been talking about heart for the house and things like this. Is Mike becoming reactive and he wants to you know, give a reactionary sort of message? And no, that's not, not the case at all. We actually uh, talked about this series, Generous, uh, about three or so months ago, as we've been coming out of the pandemic in many ways and trying to return to some post-COVID rhythms, as we call them, uh, we were talking about this series called Generous. And in many ways, it's about how do we get back into good, healthy habits and good, healthy rhythms uh, as we're coming out of something that none of us have ever experienced in terms of a global pandemic. And we believe living in God's economy, uh, one of the most important things is that we know that we need to be a generous people. In maybe in a time where people are being uh, maybe uh, fearful or, uh, or, or scarce in some ways, as God's people, we can be generous. And so in terms of uh, this conversation, it's something that's been in the pipeline and the planning for a number of months. And in terms of heart for the house, honestly, and I am so grateful and thankful for God's generosity that he's poured out into the life of the church, into the auditorium upgrade, and also for Baptist World Aid. And we'll come back as a church leadership after the prayer and fasting season that we've gone through. And we've looked at um, the, the surveys that have come in. We've had a couple of meetings as a leadership, and we'll come back to you as a church with what we believe God is saying in and through that. But this is an important conversation for us. Because like I mentioned, there's so much to be thankful for. You know, in the last couple of months, if we just talk about the finances, in the last couple of months, over $225,000 God has provided into the life of the church. $185,000 for the auditorium upgrade, $25,000 for Baptist World Age, which will have one education trainer in Kapilvastu for 12 months, and then $17,000 over this last weekend for Pong, which, like Ash said, will free 11 people from slavery, which is amazing. There is so much to give thanks to God for in terms of his provision in the life of the church. But we live in a tension with that. Because the tension is God has released all this resource into one area over the last few months, which is excellent. But the tension is that we're not uh, making our monthly budget. Uh, We actually had a really good start to the year. January and February, really good months in the life of the church. But we'd normally, we'd see a little lift in March and we'd keep going. That's sort of the trend that we've had over the last few years. But this year we had a really good January and February and then we've sort of uh, flatlined uh, as the year has gone on. 
And this comes uh, after two years of really uh, wonderful regular giving. I'm just talking about our general uh, offerings and our tithes for those who call Clovey home. We've had wonderful last two years of year-on-year growth from that perspective, but this year we've flattened off, and our giving is down 10% this year on what it was last year. And at the end of October, uh, we're down behind our budget uh, by around $200,000. And it's something that we just need to know. We need to be aware of these things. On one hand, there's an amazing generosity that's pouring in, but the tension is we're not making that monthly budget, which sits at around $100,000 a month. So, you know my leadership style. I've been here now for six years. You know, it's the sort of thing that we talk about. It's what we do. It's not something that uh, we just sort of keep into a small group, but it's something that we have uh, a more open conversation with. And I believe God's generosity wants to come through all the different areas of our lives. And we need to know the facts. We need to be aware of where we're at so that we can prayerfully Uh, respond to what God wants to say to us in that. Because, you know, 2022 has been a pretty tough year. You know, we can kind of go through and maybe even to self-preserve sometimes, we block out, you know. But if you think about this year, this is the year where COVID really uh, took um, Adelaide out in many ways. Uh, You know, the first half of this year, I remember back to the series that we had in Nehemiah. We had four weeks in Nehemiah earlier in the year, if you remember, Three of those weeks, a preacher was on the screen. One of those weeks, a preacher was on the platform. And the preacher who was on the platform was our interstate guest from Melbourne. I don't know if you remember that. I'm taking you back now to March. Because this year, most of us got sick. I know in our household we did. There's still a a small percentage of people that haven't had COVID. But a number of people, we got sick this year. And we got COVID, and then we, some got influenza, and then some got other sicknesses because we've just been, you know, kind of not moving around for the last couple of years. So this year's been a tough year in terms of sicknesses. It's also been a tough year with the economy. Who would have thought that we've come out of uh, COVID and then we've come into this sort of global economic crisis? The perfect storm, some people are saying. The RBA is saying we might have a couple more years that are going to be pretty choppy when it comes to finances around cost of living. Interest rate rises, inflation, like unprecedented levels from that perspective. Who would have thought it's costing $100 to fill up a Mazda 3? Like it's just crazy to think about some of those costs that have just come into our lives. And none of us are immune from that. It's just what it is. It's just how it is in terms of what we're finding. Uh, For some people that you're living off your superannuation, and that's gone backwards in the last 12 months. There's some stresses and there's some different challenges. Uh, for some, you're finding rhythm again around being in church community, but for some, you're still struggling with really well-formed habits that were before COVID. Now, coming out of COVID, maybe aren't in the same habits and the same healthy rhythms that really uh, grow your spirituality. Maybe some people still feel somewhat dislocated from the community, because your touch points aren't what they used to be. And there's challenge in that for all of us. There's economic challenges, there's spiritual challenges, there's physical challenges around sickness. And for us, as we go through this year, one of the challenges for us here at Clovey has been around our regular giving. And it's something that we need to be aware of so we can prayerfully respond to God. And as I've sat with the Lord and I've prayed into this, and let me tell you, I've spent a lot of time praying into this. 
And even for a message like today, a lot of time praying, saying, Lord, let us fill this together. Let's experience as a family what uh, we need to so that we can walk forward in what God has for us. I'm absolutely convinced as people of God, as followers of Jesus, that the only cure, the only antidote, the only solution to the situation that we find ourselves in is increased gratefulness and generosity. Increased gratefulness and generosity. I believe that's what it looks like for us to respond as people who live under the lordship and the reign of Jesus Christ. So how do we live lives that are grateful and generous? Well, Paul gives us some clues about this. Uh, When he was church planning, he had a vision for his churches to give into something bigger than themselves. Uh, He had what he called was the collection for the saints. And the collection for the saints uh, was a collection that the churches that he he planted or was involved in planting, they took up a collection for the church in Jerusalem for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it was to restore the church in Jerusalem. Really important. And secondly, it was Paul's attempt for unity. There was still a bit of the Gentile and the, and the, the Jewish sort of divide going on and, and things were held in Jerusalem. And Paul thought to himself, this is a great way that the churches that are getting planted in the different regions can participate in something bigger than themselves. So if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 8, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 12, and it's Paul unpacking here with the church in Corinth a little bit more around the collection for the saints. And he says this, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So there's these two foundational blocks that Paul gives us here uh, around our financial discipleship, and they are gratefulness and generosity. Uh, The first one, grateful. What does it mean to be grateful? Well, being grateful means that we know that everything that we have is a gift from God. Literally everything we have is by His grace, and because of that, we can be a grateful people. 
And the Macedonian church knew this. And Paul challenged the Corinth church to give because all that they had was a gift from God by his grace. And this grace that shaped the Macedonian church in such a way that in their poverty, they could give with rich generosity. Wonderful. Even in their poverty, they gave with rich generosity. Their hearts were right before the Lord. Paul says in verse 9, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. By God's grace, we've been saved. By God's grace, we've been given a new life. By God's grace, we are new creations. By God's grace, we're reorientated to see the world in which and the way that he sees it. By God's grace, we've received his generosity and we can pass on and love others in that way. And this is what makes us grateful because we know this grace in our lives. And by knowing the grace of God and living in the grace of God and living in the freedom and the love that comes from Jesus, we can actually be generous people because we know whose we are. We know whose we are. We're not trying to manufacture things on our own, but we can bring our burdens and our needs to God. We are children of the King. We're the heir of the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as it says in Psalm 50. And he knows that he can give us all that we need. And we live in God's economy. So it's by his grace that we can be grateful people. And that means, secondly, we can live with generosity because a heart response to God's grace is to live generously. In verse two, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. So the Macedonian church's heart was right before God and wanted to give into the things that Paul was talking to them about, the collection for the saints. And in light of this, Paul kind of presses it around with the church in Corinth a little bit. He says in verse 8, he wants to test the sincerity of their love. He's actually asking them, so what goes first for you? What's important to you? And then he says in verse 12, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not or according to one does not have. See, God is looking for generous and willing hearts. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he says, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. And Jesus being quoted in Acts 20 said this, he said, it's more blessed to give than receive. We are such a generous church in so many ways. And as we live in God's economy, as we know that we are a blessed people, how can we continue to be grateful and how can we continue to be generous? What does it look like for us to apply that into our regular giving? What does it mean for us to feel the weight of that as a church family and give regularly into the things that God is doing in and through the life of the church? And just thinking about what Paul's talking about here and and thinking practically in terms of how we could have continue this conversation, I just want to give you three P's to, to, for you to think about today. Come before the Lord in terms of our financial discipleship. And the first one is priority. The second one is percentage. And the third one is progressive. 
And I just want us to unpack these a little bit today as well. And I think this is really, really important in the current climate in which we're living in. And what does it mean for us, uh, even when things are tight, uh, what does it mean for us to actually put these things uh, first for the Lord? The first one is let our giving be a priority. Let our giving, our regular giving, be a first fruit, the first payment of each week, each month. Paul said in verse 8 that he was testing the sincerity of the Corinth church's love. He's asking them, what do you put first? What you love is what you put first. We just know that in all the areas of our lives. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, uh, Solomon says this. He says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will, your vats will brim over with new wine. Uh, so we don't necessarily have barns these days. Maybe some people do. But it's what goes into your bank. What do you get paid? What's the priority in terms of how you uh, distribute that? And ensuring that our giving to God goes first is so very important. That we don't give out of our disposable or give out of our excess, but we actually give to God first what is God's. I learned this as a young man. And when I was 15 years old, I was working at Big W at Tea Tree Plaza just down the road. It still pretty much looks the same. And I was there and I was working six or so hours a week. I was earning about $70 a week as a 15-year-old. I was rolling in it. And I learned at a very young age to make God's money to him a priority to give. And I am so grateful to God that I learned that at 15. Because now at 42, it's not even a thought. It just happens it's part of maturing in my financial discipleship and for Michelle and I as a family. Uh, when we look to do a budget, uh, for us, it's normally at the end of a year when we're looking at the start of the next year. The 10% for us goes straight to God. And it's not even a thought. It just happens. And I learned that as a 15-year-old. And I think if I didn't learn that as a 15-year-old, if it was something I was wrestling with as a 42-year-old, I think it would be a lot harder on what I earn now than what I was earning as a 15-year-old. But that's something that God had did in me. And I'm so grateful for the environment in which I grew up in. Made giving to God a priority. And I encourage you today to consider what does it look like for you to make your giving to God be the first thing that you do. The second is percentage. A helpful hint, uh, thinking about our giving, isn't based around a dollar amount, but a percentage. And the Bible talks about this as 10%. And it talks about a tithe, which is literally a tenth part. And this um, came up a few times in the Old Testament. But what's really interesting, in the Old Testament, they actually had uh, three offerings that they'd bring before the Lord. Uh, they'd bring an offering for uh, the priests. Uh, that, you can read more about that in Numbers 18. They had an offering for sacred celebrations. Uh, you can read more about that in Deuteronomy 14. And then they had an offering for the poor, for widows and for orphans. Now, you can read more about that in Deuteronomy 14 as well. And what's really interesting is um, if you put these three uh, offerings together, uh, in the Old Testament, the Israelites gave more like 23% uh, away, not 10%. Uh, that was part of their rhythms and part of their, their giving, part of uh, how they uh, gave back to the Lord. And some people say, but Mike, you know, the tithe is an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. And I don't know, I try not to complicate these things too much. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that he didn't come to uh, abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. 
So, you know, I think from uh, a scarcity mindset, you might want to look for some loopholes. But from a generosity mindset, I think, well, 10% is a great place to start. That's what I kind of think. Uh, Pastor John Ortberg, he put it this way. He said, tithing, 10%, it makes a really bad ceiling, but it's an excellent floor. It's a bad ceiling, but it's an excellent floor. And I think for people that live in God's economy, I think this is an important thing for us to consider and help us think through. But you know, you might be in a situation where you haven't been giving 10% and you think, man, to go from where I am to 10%, that is a big jump, that is hard. That might be something that you need to stage over time. That might be something that you need to make a commitment with the Lord on and work towards. But what did Paul say in verse three? He said, the Macedonian church gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. What's really interesting is that as a church, we participated in the National Church Life Survey this year, NCLS. 250 family units, uh, so households, 250 households participated in that. That's a really good sample size for us. Uh, And there was a lot of questions. And if you did that, I want to say thank you, because I did that as well, and I did not realise how long that was going to take. And it took a lot longer than what what I thought it was going to be. But, you know, that answered a lot of questions, and and you would have filled in a lot of questions around uh, your engagement in the life of the church. And one of those was around financial giving and what you uh, contribute into the life of the church. And we've just received those um, summary reports. We haven't received the full report, but we received the summary report. And what's really, like, in some ways, I think, important for this conversation today, and even potentially a little concerning, is around some of the stats that came back. So in the sample size that we got, and you can see on the screen, I I took a screenshot, I hope it comes up for you all right, but 13% of people who call Clovey home don't give anything to Clovey or the life of the church, like zero, 13%. 9% give small amounts when they're present as, at a service, and 33% give less than 10%. So 54% of people who call Clovey home that filled in the survey give between zero and 10% into the life of the church. I find that quite sobering in many ways and a challenge. I find that challenging in terms of some of the wonderful things that we celebrate and we talk about, and then yet the ownership of the church is left to 46% of people who, are, uh, who completed the survey who said they give 10% or more into the life of the church. So honestly, in terms of a financial discipleship and in terms of our giving being percentage-based and giving to God what is God's first... There's over 50% of people who call Clovey home that I think need to have a conversation coming out of this uh, service today. Firstly, a conversation with God. And then secondly, a conversation with family to say, hey, where are we placed with this? Are we uh, doing what God is asking of us in this way? And then thirdly, priority, percentage, and then progressive. Increase your giving with your age and income. Make your giving progressive. John Wesley, who was an 18th century revivalist and pastor, he says this, he says, what should rise in a Christian is not their standard of living, but their standard of giving. Not their standard of living, but their standard of giving. In verse 11, Paul says, give according to your means, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. According to one what, one what has, not according to one that one what doesn't have. 
You know, I spoke about William Wilberforce a few weeks ago and how God used his intellect and his influence in terms of bringing in that bill to English Parliament to abolish slavery. And then we're, you know, participating in Pong and there's more modern-day slaves than ever and we know that there's a, there's, a, there's a big challenge ahead of us there. But, you know, William Wilberforce was progressive in his giving. He gave away about 25% of his income. He supported up to 70 philanthropic causes. Apparently in cabinet in English Parliament, he was known as the PM for philanthropy. They had a bit of a joke about it with, with him. He just gave his money away to people and to causes for the advancement of the kingdom of God. He started things like the Bible Society, the Anti-Slavery Society. He gave to single mums, to Sunday schools, to orphans. He was involved in being progressive in his giving. I think he lived probably with the mindset and the knowledge that he knew that he could never outgive God. He couldn't outgive God. He knew that when he started to give away into the things that God had for him, God would bless him. And I think that's a good encouragement for us. So I want to encourage us, make our giving a priority, and make it uh, percentage-based, and be progressive. Be progressive. As you have more means and more opportunity, give more away. And let God continue to shape you and bless you and grow you as someone for the kingdom in that way. But you might be thinking, Mike, this is great chat, but I just don't know where to start. Like, honestly, you don't know my finances. You probably don't want to see the budget. Things are getting tougher. Things have dropped off with the church. And I want to encourage you, just with something really simple, very practical, as we kind of bring it to a close today. And this is something that Michelle and I have lived by and aspire to in our budget, and it's simply 10 80 10 and if this is what you remember from today, in terms of your financial discipleship, 10, 80, 10. 10% of what we earn goes straight to God. No questions asked. It comes here to the church, and that's what it does. I, even as the lead pastor, don't ask questions about that. That's just what happens. We live off 80%, and we have 10% for savings. Things like a holiday or a new car, that sort of thing. But let's talk about the 80%. We try and live off 60% of that. That's our daily living. That's the bills. Uh, that's the mortgage. That's the school fees for the kids. Those sorts of things. And we have 20% uh, out of that 80 that are for things when you know, things go a little bit wrong. Maybe the washing machine breaks or something needs done around the house that we weren't planning on. And we've got that buffer and that margin. And out of that 80%, that 60 and that 20, that's where... We have sponsor kids. We sponsor four kids. That's where Heart for the House comes from. We give to Heart for the House from that place. That's where our giving to Pong comes from. It comes from that 80%. So I want to encourage you today. 10, 80, 10. And it might be that there could be some readjustment or it might be that you're in a position where that 80% that you live off, you can give a lot more of that away. Or it might be that you're in a stage of life and you're trying to, save for a house and that's incredibly difficult and you might need to be putting more of that into your savings. But 10, 80, 10. We've all got decisions to make. It's not going to be easy. But I believe that that's a really good way that we can go about living to please God in that way. So I ask you, would you take the 10, 80, 10 challenge? Is it something that you'd lean into? Is it something that you would 
look at? Is it something that you'd be bold enough to look at your budget now and into the future around? Because you know, we are such a generous church. And some of the things I was talking about earlier, people coming to faith and baptisms and what God's doing in the life of the church, coach and starting and getting things up like that or cherish that we spoke about last week, that really only depends on our regular and our sacrificial giving. You know, we've been talking a lot about the God-sized dream around church planting, around leadership development, around pressing more into missional activity. That only really depends on our regular and on our sacrificial giving. You know, ongoing ministries that we love around kids and youth and, uh, and worship and all the things that we participate in, that only, they depend on our regular and on our sacrificial giving. So this is the challenge for us, one that we're all in together. And I wanna finish by sharing Paul's words that he shared as he closed this conversation off with the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I say amen to that. And I entrust this conversation into God's hands and know that we're a mature and unified church and we'll come together and move forward into the things that He has for us. Will you stand? Let's stand together.